And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves Memorial Day. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, is it ever beautiful today on Milleronia. And it was a quick trip out here, because last night I was back on the mainland, and uh, one of my sons was singing in the choir at high school, and he was great. I know he's my son, but he was great. And plus, we have friends there who had some wonderful things to say about the show, about the Larry Miller Show, this great podcast. I love doing it. Colonel Jeff loves doing it. And they were very sweet and funny. This is, this is a funny, smart couple. Their daughter is a great singer. And I'm telling you, though, they had some wonderful things to say, which means the world. It means a, a lot when you folks think it and when you folks write in and say so. That just means a ton. But it meant that uh, I had to make a sudden trip back to Milleronia. And uh, no problem there for me. A little tougher for Colonel Jeff because, as you know, he needs three separate helicopter rides to get to Milleronia. He doesn't need them. It's not physical. It's not emotional. It's not that he actually needs them as a person. But that's the way he gets here. That's the way I have decreed it, for lack of a better word. By the way, the couple last night after the choir concert were saying, it made me laugh again just thinking about it because they did say, they talked about some of the things they really like that are funny and they love that... Uh, Oh, I sent this woman to Volcano Number 2, and her husband was actually saying, what's the difference between Volcano Number 1 and Number 2? And by the way, this is a good school, and, you know, the kids had just sung a great concert, both their kids and my kids, and, and, and at any rate, it was just very funny to be standing by the snack bar afterwards that parents have to bring in, those rolled things that have turkey in them or something. And, uh, in fact, I was just about to reach for one when I heard my wife say, uh, okay, let's go. And you know, it was time to leave. And I you know, almost touched it, but went, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got a little nervous. But they, they loved, this couple loved that the things they thought were funniest were very cruel. You know, that they just said, say, why is that? That, uh, it just, it, it sounds funnier if it's meaner. And I, I said, but well, the truth, which is that uh, you never know with comedy, and that's sometimes the way with our comedy. And uh, But I thought that was pretty funny, too. Boy, oh boy, though, it's nice to be back on Milleronia and a gorgeous day. And that music, yes, again, every week it makes me feel a little better. And it, it means, oh, that also means the world. Of course, that's the Dave Meath Orchestra and the Marsha Russell Dancers featuring boy tenor Bryce Hildebrand asking the musical question, why is the phrase, pardon my French, never followed by French? Well, you know what, Bryce? That's a heck of a question. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a darn good question, too. Why is the phrase... Pardon my French, never followed by French. Well, I had never thought about it before. I don't think I've ever said that before. I don't know if you have. Well, you pardon my French, you know, but uh, to start with, it doesn't seem to be a very positive statement on our relationship with the French, does it? It really not. It's not another way of saying hiya, fellas. I mean, you never hear pardon my Italian or pardon my Japanese. It's probably just a, a sneering look at how often the French were thought to curse, don't don't you think? I mean, so that the, so that the point of that saying is that no no matter how filthy a word is, 
the more French it becomes? Is is that what we're saying? I don't know why, and I don't, you know, look, so far as I know, the French invented anything sexual, okay? Now, I'm guessing you have the same thought pattern, too, that it, but I mean everything. But we still don't say that to our spouses in, in bed. That, well, that was good. What's next? Well, pardon my French, darling, but we'll chat again in about 15 minutes. Ooh, la, la. I mean, is that... Is You want to say you wanted to... Congrat, for all the things that they invented that are sexual, that have come down, and really that everyone does or aspires to... I mean, that you want to say, instead of, uh, pardon my French, we all be saying, by the way, good going, French. I mean, you know, that's uh, another uh, another bathroom or two in the country. You know, I think I think you'd really have something going there. But pardon my French, we'll be right back. So, you know what, Bryce? The truth is, why is the phrase, pardon my French, never followed by French? Well... I think you're right, but maybe it's because <laughs> I don't even know what it means in the first place. So, yeah, pardon my French, but 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 then he's supposed to see the dirtiest dirtiest words in history. Bryce, I don't know. I think maybe it's never followed by French because perhaps not one of us understands it in the first place. In any case, it's fine with me that it exists, and that was a heck of a question. And by Amazon and PayPal and my book. And, uh, folks, it's a real pleasure to say that this time, uh, well, I'm going to mention my book first because we got a terrific note on our website from Penny Clark. And she has run the dancers before. And uh, we like her a lot. And she wrote in to say, that she got my book and she loves it and it uh, she really thought it was funny and she loved that it was signed and that we also put in a Larry Miller Drinking Society card. Penny, it meant a lot to see that. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. It's a good book, folks. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you about it. Well, I'll tell you about it right now. You know what? Because uh, I love the book. I, I worked hard on it. It sold very well when it came out, and I still had a bunch of copies left, and that's how uh, Colonel Jeff and I decided to sell them to you at uh, less than the price that they actually cost in the bookstores. Uh, but boy, so if you want, be like Penny. It means a lot to me. Signed hardcover copies of my book, Spoiled Rotten America, now for sale at store.comedyfilmnerds.com And I think you'll feel the same way Penny does. Please send us a note when you do. And uh, and by Amazon. They are still my favorite company in the world. Favorite because they do three things no one else can do. One, Amazon will send you whatever you order. Now, I mean, whatever you can imagine, whatever you order, they'll send it. Two, they don't even have to go get it. They already have it. That's kind of amazing to me. They have one of those gigantic Indiana Jones warehouses that's a mile long and a mile wide and a mile high and even goes down a mile, I bet, too. It's been a while since I've seen it. We should surprise them with a security check. Yes. But you know what? They have everything at Amazon. And and number three, the, the reason why they're such a great company is whatever you order, they send us a percentage of the cost of what you get. And that means a lot to us. And uh, we take that money. By the way, it goes right in our official box where we save money for our next big fancy fried chicken dinner, including two drinks beforehand from a different place. That means a lot. Last time... We went to Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles. They are not a sponsor, but I like them so much, and so does Colonel Jeff. And we went there with Dr. Chris. That's right. He rejoined us for that dinner, and uh, we're very proud he did. And uh, the next time we have one, we may, may, might, 
might just invite him again. That's not definite. We might invite him again, wherever we wind up going. But boy, oh boy, you know what? Uh, that money gets saved up, and Amazon sends us a percentage of whatever you order. So please keep doing that for them, and we'll keep doing this for you. And by PayPal. That's right. PayPal was a great company to you to work with. Boy, you feel like you're saving the world with them. And maybe you are. So you know what? That And the all these banners are on our website. The Amazon and the PayPal banner. You could go to them on your own, on your computer, on your iPhone, on whatever you have. But don't do that. That would be silly. Go to our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> I don't remember that bell. <laughs> the colonel just put that in. And I love sounds and sound effects, and maybe you do too. I just love that was that was a pretty good one. <laughs> and uh, so, you know what? You go to our website. We'll take you there. Go to our website, and there'll be a banner for Amazon, and there'll be a banner for PayPal. And boy, oh boy, is there a banner for my book, by the way? Maybe not. Boy, he just stiffened up and went blank. Uh, no, maybe not. But you can do that, too. As I, as I told you, store.comedyfilmnerds.com. But go to our website and hit the banner for Amazon and hit the banner for PayPal. You'll be glad you did. And then after you hit that, by the way, you don't have to go do it. Then you go lie down in your easy chair and put a magazine over your face and sleep for an hour or two. Colonel Jeff and I will get you to Amazon and we will get you to PayPal. It doesn't matter when... You ask. It doesn't matter when you click that banner. We will get up in the, in the middle of the night. We could be on the mainland or we could be at, on Milleronia. Because we can get you there anytime. We meet. We go. The, the, the red light goes off on our phones. Could be the middle of the night. And we'll, we'll go to the studio. And we'll get you there. And, uh, well, it means a lot to me that you guys have fun with this, too. And that brings me to the favorite part of the show... The joke of the week. Well, there's still nothing like a good joke, and I, I've said that before to you, and I mean it every time, boy. A good joke, something you want to pass along yourselves to friends or family, and uh, I think you'll like this one, too. The Colonel and I both did. A very pretty blonde woman walks in through a nice neighborhood, a real fancy neighborhood, because she's thinking to herself, well, you know what? I, I, I came here to Hollywood to get in the movies and in television, and I think I've got the talent for it, and I think I've got the looks for it, but I need money, too, so, you know, money to get by. So she starts going to every mansion in a row. That's going to be her idea. And she says, look, these folks have money, and maybe they can hire me and... Uh, in a small job, part-time job, large-time job, whatever it is, and I'll get money that way. And she goes up to the first mansion, and she knocks on the door. The door opens, and the uh, owner is there, and he just says, yes, can I help you? And she says, I think you can. I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for something maybe around this, this beautiful home that you want done and that you can pay me. And that'll help me in my life and getting by. And uh, do you have anything like that? And the man says, well, to be honest, we do. Uh, well, we we have a porch that we want painted. And uh, if you're up to that, well, there's, uh, you know, and she immediately cuts in and says, I'll do it. I'll take it. Yes. And in fact, I'll do it for $100. And he looks at her for a second and says, all right. You've got a hundred dollars deal, yeah, yeah, a hundred dollars for you to, to to paint our porch, and uh, he says, "Come on, I'll show you where everything is." And we've got all this gray paint and uh, in the garage, and all the brushes and all the pans, and so yes, let's let's get you right to work. And he does; he gives her everything, and he says, "Okay, bye," and he just tippy toes off and kind of runs off again back into his house. 
And his wife says to him, well, who's that young woman there? And he he's kind of laughing. He says, well, you know what? She came by looking for a job for part-time work, and I got her painting our porch. And uh, And the wife looks at him and says, why would you do that to her? You didn't tell her that it's... It's not really a porch, you know. It, it goes around the entire house. It's huge. And that's far more work than for $100. And he says, well, no, that's, that's the deal we made. And oh, oh, okay. Two hours later, she comes back to the front door, knocks on the door, and he answers it. And he said, oh, yes, uh, yes. And uh, she says, well, I'm done. And he says, you're done already? Oh, yes, she says, it's... Uh, Everything is all set, and I'd like my $100, please. He gives her the $100, and then she says, uh, Oh, by the way, it's not a porch. It's a Ferrari. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, isn't it? That falls into, as Colonel Jeff said, that falls into the world I love so much of uh, silly. Silly is fun sometimes, and I think it's fun there. <laughs> Well, he was he was looking to mess around with her a little bit there and have her do more work than he had agreed to pay for. He thought he was a pretty fancy for doing that. But then, just by being completely innocent, she kind of gets him back, too, doesn't she? That's a pretty good line. By the way, it's not a porch, it's a Ferrari. Boom. Ooh! Oh, <laughs> that's a pretty good one. I hope you pass that along to your loved ones and friends. And that brings to my uh, Mina. Well, brings me to my second favorite part of the show: the poetry corner. Gee, that theme was very soothing to me today, and it was very elegant, which is what it should be, because a great poem is just like a great joke. It's something to love and to appreciate in the way it moves words past you by a great poet, and this is a good one. It's called Aftermath by Siegfried Sassoon, and uh, he's an interesting fellow, and I'll tell you about him and. uh this is a poem he wrote during World War I, where he was fighting in Europe, and he fought a lot, and he was very well known for being a great hero in the war, but he became one of the best-known poets to come out of that war. So here we are, Aftermath, by Siegfried Sassoon. Have you forgotten yet? For the world's events have rumbled on since those gagged days, like traffic checked while at the crossing of city ways, and the haunted gap in your mind has filled with thoughts that flow like clouds in the lit heaven of life, and you're a man reprieved to go, taking your peaceful share of time with joy to spare, but the past is just the same, and war's a bloody game. Have you forgotten yet? Look down and swear by the slain of the war that you'll never forget. Do you remember the dark months you held the sector at Mammoth's? The nights you watched and wired and dug and piled sandbags on parapets? Do you remember the rats and the stench of corpses rotting in front of the front-line trench, and dawn coming dirty white and chill with a hopeless rain. Do you ever stop and ask, is it all going to happen again? Do you remember that hour of din before the attack and the anger, the blind compassion that seized and shook you then as you peered at the doomed and haggard faces of your men? Do you remember the stretcher cases lurching back with dying eyes and lolling heads, those ashen-gray masks of the lads 
who once were keen and kind and gay. Have you forgotten yet? Look up and swear by the green of the spring that you'll never forget. That's very lovely, isn't it, folks? And very meaningful. He was right in it. Boy, Siegfried Sassoon, you know, the uh, he, he his, his nickname after World War I was the most innocent of the poets. He was drafted, he's English, and they drafted in World War I. He was given the nickname Mad Jack because his exploits against the German line were described as nearly suicidal. Had shell shock after the war and was a vocal protester of the war to the government after the war and... He lived from 1886 to 1967 and was in England the whole time. He was a key figure in the poetry after the war. There were many great poets who fought and came out of that war, but Sassoon was known as the greatest. So thank you, Siegfried. Boy, an ironic name to have, Siegfried, in a war against the Germans. And that brings us to the third favorite part of the show... M-M-M Triple M The Magic Movie Moment Boy, and they all relate today I'll tell you, I'll explain as, as as we go along But this movie is a wonderful movie From 1989 Glory Directed by Edward Zwick Starring Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, Carrie Elwes, and Andre Brower, many others, so many others. And, uh, boy, what a great story. I didn't know this before the movie came out. I didn't know about the 54th Massachusetts. Oh, what a great unit that was started just in the Civil War. It was put together just to be filled with black soldiers and led by a veteran, played by Matthew Broderick, who, this is, this is all true, this is absolutely a true story, who, uh, who played, uh, well, Colonel Shaw, and he was already wounded at Antietam, and he came back to his parents' house in Massachusetts, in Boston, and, well, they were all there, Frederick Douglass and the governor of the state, and they said they wanted him to train and run and lead the 54th and uh part of that part of that great company was denzel washington carrie elwes andre brower as i mentioned and uh it's a great movie it's very moving and it's true everything they say is how it really happened and there are so many scenes in it that are magical that are a magic movie moment but the one that struck me today, and Colonel Jeff agreed, is a scene before the big battle where they're going to the Colonel, well, Colonel Shaw volunteers his men to the commanding officer, even though they just had a, a great run from a battle that they won and that they really had to, to jog to, to make this appointment with all the other soldiers. And Colonel Shaw volunteers them to lead the battle, to have the first attack. I think it's Fort Wagner. I think that was the name of it. Uh, Confederate Fort. And they're accepted in that. There's so much drama, so much good work done there. But this always sticks out to me. Before they charge, before the big battle, when the men are already lined up, Matthew Broderick, as Colonel Shaw, comes riding up on his horse to where all the reporters are, all the journalists. And it's on a slope at the beach there. This is right near the water. And one of the journalists he knows by now, who has come around and written articles about their battles, and uh, he rides up. And the journalist is with his other friends, other other reporters, and they're about oh fifteen or twenty of them, and they're all sitting there. and And uh, Matthew Broderick says, uh, "Well, uh, so here you are for this, eh?" And uh, and the reporter says, 
best seats in the house and uh, with a little smile and that's the way they dealt with each other. But then at that moment, Colonel Shaw rides over to him on his horse and holds out a little wrapped package and he says to the reporter, if I should fall, please see my parents get this. And folks, that that moment for the reporter and for everyone in the audience and for me still and Colonel Jeff still, that thought after having kind of a saucy thing said by the reporter, well, best seats in the house, and we know it's going to be a very, very difficult battle and a very difficult charge. And God only knows what's going to happen. And to have their colonel, their leader, come up and say just that phrase alone, if I should fall, please see that my parents get this. Uh, It really stops me still and stopped the reporter there who looked at him and just agreed, of course, and took the little wrapped package. But what a moment, folks, in that story. Not if I'm killed. Not if they, they spoke in different ways at the time. Not if I get shot to pieces. Not if I get, well, stabbed with a spear or a sword or anything. If I should fall, please see that my parents get this. See the movie, folks. If you've seen it, 20 times already, see it again. It's worth it. It moves you the same way. And if you've never seen it, please see it now. Glory, from 1989, directed by Edward Zwick, and with one of the best casts ever. And that's, you see, part of why I wanted to use this as a theme, and I'll tell you more about it soon. Because... Yes, there are great joys in life. And sometimes it's, well, things you might think are simpler scenes. My son, our 17-year-old, went to his prom just a few days ago, last weekend. And, well, my wife and I were very proud of him, and we were very very touched by it. He, He had a girl he liked, and he asked her, and she said yes. And... He rented a tuxedo for himself, and he he got her a corsage for the wrist. And, you know, I, I was going to post a picture of them, uh, not kind of an idiotic prom picture. And those were fine. I had one of those myself. But just them, they all got together at his friend's house, and uh, all of them, all oh, was about 10 boys, And then their girlfriends came over too. Everyone driven by the parents. My wife drove him over. And folks, they looked adorable. They all did. And it was very touching for that reason. And there's my son in the tux he liked, a black tuxedo with black shoes. And he practiced tying the bow tie himself. And he did. He practiced all week with that bow tie. And he got a great tip that I had never heard, by the way, from the fella at the tuxedo store. And and this might be of some value to you, too. When you're practicing, when you're trying to learn how to tie a bow tie, he said, never do it around your neck because you're always going to forget what you're doing. You can't really see what you're doing. And it's going to be frustrating and it's going to be much harder. It's going to take much longer. He said, practice around your leg, just above the knee. Practice it that way. And learn how to tie a bow tie that way. And you know something? He was right. That guy at the tuck store was right. And my kid practiced it all week. And he got it. And he tied a beautiful tie. And his girlfriend was very pretty. And very, very sweet. And she had a she had a black dress on. And the corsage he got her on the wrist. And well, all of these things see, seem simple. But... They're very involved. They had such great smiles. They were so happy. They both looked so happy in their we're-at-the-prom snapshots. 
And yes, I was going to post a few on our website. But then again, you know what? The colonel and I both agreed that, well, we thought that might embarrass them. We haven't asked them. And well, they're private pictures. They're personal. And yes, they're very sweet. And they're very innocent. And they're very 17. But you know, my wife drove them over there and, uh, oh, what a nice night it was. That uh, I know I'm the dad, but he was so gorgeous, and so was she. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And uh, they went to the prom. They had, first of all, they have some food over there at that house. And that's the way it was for my older boy. So they had, you have some food there. And sometimes, you know, if it's a well-to-do family, they'll set up a real spread there. They'll set up something you might see at a wedding. I mean, for a real spread. Not a great wedding, maybe, but <laughs> they... They set it up there so everybody eats there, which is good to do to start a prom, for goodness sake. You know what? Get something in your belly. Don't go there empty. So they did, and then they all get on a bus that they rented, a prom bus. And that took them to the hotel where the prom was, the hotel in Westwood. And uh, you know something? It was very sweet. And then at the end of the prom... The same bus drove them back to another friend of his uh, there, another house, where they were, all got off, and they all essentially said goodnight, and the girls were picked up by their parents, and all the boys spent the night there at that second house. They knew they were going to do that, and they had all brought a change of clothes, and I thought it was just terrific. I I know that sometimes people think, Things like proms are a little knuckle-headed, but I don't think so. And, oh, I might have been a little knuckle-headed at mine, but my kid looked gorgeous in his rented tux and in the bow tie he tied, and his smile just said it all. He was very happy. And you know what, though? It's nice to know those things matter, because they do. And that's why I, I, I started thinking about, well, Memorial Day. It's coming up. Yes, it's this weekend. It's this Monday, actually, coming up. And they're very meaningful, but we don't put that much on them. We Americans don't do that much. We don't do it together. We don't do something as one people, as a, as a memory, as a tribute, in respect about Memorial Day, out of all the soldiers, well, out of all the soldiers who sacrificed so much and who who died, who were killed in action. And it reminded me that also because, as you may know, Memorial Day is sort of, well, it's thought of as the start of summer. And that's about kind of when summer begins. It's also the start of all summer jobs. And Colonel and I agreed summer jobs were pretty cool. They were always cool because it was the one time when you got to be someone else. And you were someone else for a month or two months, the whole summer. And uh, it's it's so funny. You watch people do things that they do together. Uh, I just saw just before the colonel got here today, I watched a video on the Internet called Redneck Couch Surfing. Uh, that's the name of it, and it's. I said, you know, you have to see this because I found myself watching it, and it was three young fellows. They looked to be about nineteen. Well, they looked about prom age, I guess, and they were on a big farm, and it was it was a pretty big farm, and they just starts out with them on a couch, on some sort of sled ish bottom, look like could be the the hood of a car that was upside down, and they're being pulled by a tractor. They're being, and on a rope attached to them, they're being pulled, well, all over the farm, and not slowly. I mean, they're going about, well, about 20 miles an hour. I mean, it was, they're really moving, and then they're bouncing around a bit, and they were laughing so much, and it was just... It was a joy to see. We both got a real kick out of it. 
And it reminded me that they go, when they went on and on by the way, they went for a couple of miles like that. And finally stopped, you know, they were getting just, you know, covered in mud because that thing picks up on the, on the wheels of the tractor, just spray. It's like a dog, you know, <laughs> digging a, a hole where his, by his back paws just really shoot that mud back. And folks, they were covered in mud. They were covered in mud. They were laughing so hard. And I like that too, like the prom. Uh, sure, it's got a cute name, Redneck Couch Surfing. But you know what? That's perfect for 19-year-old boys and girls, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing more boys get ideas like that than girls, frankly. I think that's probably a, a, a pretty fair bet. But you know what it reminded me about playing Rat Patrol in my friend Jimmy's security jeep, the security jeep, at the Rockaway Beach on Long Island, when we were about the, about the same age, about 19, and Jimmy had a summer job as the security guy. It wasn't a beach, it wasn't a restaurant, it wasn't a, a bar, it wasn't in anything. It was just a beachy type of brushy area, and uh, right against the water there. And they had, uh, well, he had a security hut, or building, and that's also where the offices were for the security guard. And uh, we would come there a couple of nights a week. And, uh, yeah, Kenny and Jimmy and I, and we'd... Uh, and Jimmy was already there at work, by the way. And we came to visit him because at a certain point, we knew he was going to go around the property in their Jeep. They had a Jeep for him that was for security to take a look, to just go up and see if anybody was having a barbecue or doing anything. Well, you know, you'd have to say, well, folks, you know, you're going to have to have to end that flame because uh, this is, uh, well, it's the it's a public beach and it's not a beach and there's no one here and you have to, yeah, you're going to have to go. But there was never, we never saw anybody there. But what we did was get in the Jeep with him and played Rat Patrol. We had the best time. I don't know if you remember that TV show, but it was Rat Patrol, and they would come over the sand dunes, and they would fly in their Jeeps. Now, admittedly, they were they were about to go into battle against the Germans, but they flew in those Jeeps over sand dunes, and we did too. Jimmy drove, and we bounced around quite a bit. And by the way, it's not easy. I'm just here to say, well, even at 19... When you've had a couple of beers, not that we did, even though we did, and so you know we'd we would do that. We'd we'd get in that jeep after a few beers, and and we'd sing the da 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 da. You know, we'd sing the songs and from Rat Patrol, and we'd bounce. He went over those dunes the same way, and we wow, and go. We'd fly and. And come pounding down again, land and you know, boom, and then you know after about not so long, twenty minutes or a half hour of that, that was about the right time to say, okay, time to go. You know what? Take us back to the security office, please. Which was again the only thing around on that whole land, and he did, and he had done his job. He had checked for barbecuers, and there were none. And he had bounced us around. He bounced us around pretty good. And so when we got out of that Jeep there, you know, it takes a few minutes to, well, get your land legs back again. And say, holy mackerel, you're holding on to part of the wall from the hut. Just thinking, wow, how did they do that on Rat Patrol? They, they did it all the time. Then someone else would say, well, actually, it was only once a week. You know, we don't know what they did the rest of the time. But boy, that was that was so much fun. And it reminded me again that what are the things we do that have meaning? And what are the things we we do that don't have that much meaning, but we love anyway? And Memorial Day kept coming up in my head. My dad used to tell me that his father, my grandfather, was always very complimentary and very generous. He promoted everybody. If they ran into a policeman on the street there, and this is in Brooklyn, 
whenever he said wanted to ask the cop a question, he would always say, uh, so th tell me, Captain. And he did it as a compliment. He wasn't making fun of him, but it, and my dad would say to him, why did you see promote everybody? You know, someone else would become a sergeant, a sergeant, you know, and uh, even though they're, you know, just say regular officers. And his theory was, you know what? It makes them happy. And I think he's right. Sure it does. That when they have, remember in those days, especially with police in those days in the 30s and 40s in Brooklyn, well, that's policemen were on patrol. They were on the beat. One cop would walk the beat. That was his neighborhood. So he wasn't in a police car shooting by at 40 miles an hour every couple of weeks. They walked the beat, and wherever he went, he knew all, he knew all the businessmen and women when they had family stores for fruit or bakers, and he would always go there swinging the billy club. And, uh, well, not swinging it. He wasn't, he wasn't beating people up during the day. But, I mean, they'd always say, you know, hello, officer, good morning, and hello, ladies. And, and he always got a free apple. The cop on the beat, always. I would have done that. You would have done that. Here, officer, good morning. Here's, a, here's an apple. This is a good batch that came in. Well, thank you, Mr. Donahue. And you know what? He always got a free sandwich, too. And from my grandfather, he always got a promotion. And it made me think, what do we do for Memorial Day? What do we do, if anything? And we really don't do anything. I remember I was always touched in Israel on Memorial Day. They all stop, the whole country, every single person in it. And it's at noon, and while well, a big siren goes off, and everyone in the entire country gets up, stands up, and stands there in, in memory, in respect. Cars will stop on freeways. And everyone gets out of the car to do the same thing. And it's, well, it's just really only a few minutes, but I always thought that was wonderful that everyone in the entire country has respect on Memorial Day and respect for Memorial Day. And you know what? I, I think that's wonderful. I wish we all did something together all Americans, at the same time on Memorial Day to send our respect and affection to our lost soldiers. And I remember Memorial Day was actually always a good part of my my youth in junior high and high school because we always had a Memorial Day parade in Valley Stream on Long Island. And we marched in it, in the marching band, our marching band, and I was a drummer in the marching band. And we marched in our marching band uniforms. And I've, I have i know I've mentioned this image before, but it was great. They, they, those uniforms were great, but they were, well, they weren't really what you could call fancy uniforms. They were made from the linings of bombers from World War II. And in the, in the fuselage there, now... That's fine, but what it means is that their each uniform, each marching band uniform that had the hat, the jacket, the pants, and we all wore white bucks and had a shirt and a tie underneath it. But that's a lot of clothing. It's very heavy. That's about 43 pounds of bomber lining. And Memorial Day, that's coming up, as you probably know, is very hot. It's a very hot day. Yes, it's the first day of summer. It's very hot. And we were proud. We were marching in it. We were a good marching band, too, and led by Mr. Emig. And, boy, we we were good. And so as, as the drummer also, you know, there were, oh, ten drummers. And so you march and play all the great songs we did and all the great street beats and for marching, for being a drummer, about three hours, and wearing these road to perdition uniforms. I mean, holy mackerel! They and 
you feel it after, you know, as you start marching, that's fine. But four minutes later, you start thinking, this is very hot. It's very hot outside. And it's very hot inside this thing. And I'm telling you folks, when we finished that marching, when we finished being in the Memorial Day Parade and back in the big parking lot area near the band shell where everything started, folks, we we looked like we had been shot with hippo darts. I mean, we looked like we had been just drugged. And you take that hat, that hat off, the marching band cap, like the officer's cap, and you take off that the jacket. Whew, jacket alone was about 22 pounds. And you take that thing off, and thick material. Yikes. Inch and a half thick. You take that off, and nothing has ever felt that good in my life. We were all really happy because we did a good job, and it was Memorial Day. But you didn't forget that. When you got home, you know, my mom and dad were always going to be at the parade anyway. But we'd go back to the high school in the, in the school bus, and I'd get my bicycle and ride that back home with the marching band uniform and walked in the house. And my parents initially thought that maybe they were getting robbed because I looked about 30 pounds less. They thought it was just some crazed marching band gang. But they said, well, how was it? Yeah, you with this. Oh, it was great. We applauded. Everything was, and it was, it was terrific. But that's, you know, that's marching band and that's Memorial Day. And I wish we all did something like that in our country, where we had a formal kind of salute. You know, the rest of the things you do, we we didn't do anything fancy. We didn't have a summer holiday we did something special for. We just went to the beach. Now, in my area, to go to the Atlantic Beach Strip, which is the southern line of Long Island. That's the whole southern part of Long Island, Atlantic Beach, and we could you could get there were beach clubs there there were 10 or 12 beach clubs all in a row right next to each other and we went to seacliff which was a terrific place oh it maybe it wasn't so fancy but we, we we thought it was great and you were a member there and uh it was like a dining hall at college where they you know they'd punch punch your ticket every time you walked in there cuz you remember you pull in and they take your car and you go to your locker. Ours was 014. And you change into your trunks. And they had a swimming pool and and well, a nice stretch of beach. And lunch there was terrific. They had a snack bar, but a bigger one. It was a, lo a long thing. It was about, well, 40 feet long. And they made the best hot dogs I've ever had in my life. I'm telling you. And it was a great place to be. And... Uh, but you never know what's going to happen. My sister invited her friend Harriet down with us one of the weekend days, Saturday or Sunday, and they went to take a walk along the beach to, well, as I said, it's filled with beach clubs there. And they went about a mile, And uh, but that's a nice walk to take. And they went up to the pool area there just to see you take a look around, the place they didn't know. And... They were thrown out. And the reason for that is Harriet was wearing a Jewish star around her neck. And, well, this was 1963, and that's the way things were. And someone saw her wearing that Jewish star, and they walked up the steps to the pool, and someone from that beach club, one of the adult executives or folks behind yeah members of the staff there one of those fellows came up to them and threw them out and i mean threw them out he didn't let them walk back down to the beach to go back to their beach club at seacliff and walk back along the beach he threw them out out the front and well they wouldn't they let my sister use the phone. Remember, these are the days before cell phones. So she used the phone and called the front desk at Seacliff, and they were nice enough. They said, oh, oh, hi, hold on a second. And they went and got my dad, who was still sitting on the uh, beach there with my mom. And he came up into the front office, and she told him. Then she wasn't upset. That's sort of the way things were. And he, she said, and they just kind of 
tossed us out now, and he said, so you can't walk back along the beach. She said, no, we're in the front, and they didn't want them to stand in the front. So they had to move along, along the, uh, well, the gravel there, barefoot. They were both 14 or 15, wearing, well, bikinis and two-piece bathing suits there, and they are two pretty girls. And he said, all right, don't walk all the way back here. Just go about 20 feet and get out of the uh, front area there or their place. And he said, I'll be right over. And he went out and he put his uh, moccasins on or topsiders and uh, threw a T-shirt on and got hit our car from the car guys at our beach club there. And he drove down about a mile and a half there and saw them and just turned around and picked them up and drove them back. And, well, you know what? That's just another memory. That's the way things were. So it's not the end of the world. They they weren't sobbing in the back seat. I'm sure my mom and dad had a chat about that with each other a little later at home. But you know what? That is the way it was. And that's why you and me doing something for Memorial Day for folks who really did the right thing and fought the right way and lost their lives, well, I'm going to remember it more this year than ever. And I think maybe maybe you will too. Please let us know on our Facebook if you do anything like, well, see a Memorial Day parade or watch an old Memorial Day movie. And you know what, folks? That'll be one more thing you and I know together. We know that Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. And remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. Never forget that. And never forget Memorial Day. Or what a private beach is. We'll see you next time. Transcribed for Armed Forces Radio, now in mono.